Welcome to What's Good Under the Hood. All right, here we go again. It's What's Good Under the Hood. Greg Hood, owner of Mazda of Columbia. And to his right, I think, my left, Rob Sanders of Fox Sports Radio 1400. Andy Woods from 97.5 WCOS. Another episode of What's Good Under the Hood. Greg, what is good under the hood, sir? This podcast is fantastic. It is. I have fun it, doing it. It really is. I'm. Uh, I I like it. I enjoy it. Uh, at the yep. end of the episode, another another in the series of story time with Uncle Greg. But first of all, let's talk about Blue Book. Uh, the best well, way to nobody, determine value. Hold on. Nobody's car. made any comments about how I don't look like I'm like uh like I have like dark circles under my eyes. I actually borrowed a light from Miss Mo. Can you bring it out and show everyone what you got? Beauty light. Yeah. What? No. I, got, I borrowed her beauty light so you could see my wonderful face and my nice beard in this podcast. Your face is you're, wonderful. You're welcome. What a nice beard. I nice know, right? I have, bir- I have birds in it. It made a little <laughs> bit of grow. difference. I will say that. I, it didn't make a big enough difference where I thought it warranted comment, but yeah. I can see that you're less dim. I am less dim. <laughs> well, I, I am a dim wit at times, but no, I am no, less no, dim no, today. Very so. smart. Very smart. There we go. But yeah, I want to learn about Blue Book because... When I look at the blue book for uh, for my car, I'd like to know uh, if that's a valid way to look at it, Greg. Is that a, is that a good way to determine the value of your car? Well, the most important part about the thing about a blue book, it's a guide. Remember last time we last two podcasts ago, I talked about MSRP and it's what the manufacturer right. suggested that you retail the car for. So blue book is a guide, but going way back to the paper blue book, and that was an actual book. Now you they're online and NADA is online and there's a black book that's online. And I think JD Power, and I don't know who they, maybe they acquired one of them. I guess it's called JD Power now instead. But the, the point is, is that those valuation guides are just that. So it, as everything else in our industry is, or an actuary fits, sits around and figures out how much they think the estimated value of the car is. And it's based upon a lot of things, mostly on um, what's now called MMR. So it's, you know, it's auction results that are happening pretty real time. And so the problem in a market like this is the market just blew up and the blue book didn't keep up with how the prices went up on a car. So the consumer got pretty smart pretty quick, but the blue book didn't. And so where that created a problem for consumers was from a just going and buying a car, getting one finance standpoint, <clears throat> it may require some money down that they wouldn't have anticipated paying because whoever bought the car um, or, you know, tr- traded it in whatever, got more money for the car because the, the, we, they were in such demand for us, the dealer, we looked at the blue book and the blue book said the car was 20. We're paying 22 because we want the car and then we have to recondition it. Now all of a sudden we're bumping up against retail book or above it. And just like in home lending, car lending, it's all a loan to value calculation in terms of how that works. But I'll tell you this is that being just a guide, um, I can prove that point. When I first got in the car business with my dad, one of the safest things for us was to go to a GMAC repo sale and they don't have them anymore, but they were a sealed bid sale that GMAC, who was in business at the time, and now I guess they're Ally Financial. They've been through a couple of gyrations, but they had these sales. So they'd have 60, 70 cars in a warehouse and we'd go in. And the reason we were comfortable with it is because we were new in the car business and you know we didn't want to go to the auction and bid against the Coke machine. We knew those guys were a whole lot better up there, you know, cattle calling on a car 
and can suck you into paying way too much money because they are true professionals at doing it. So, you know, if you're going to be talking about getting bamboos on the garbage, it's when you go to an auction and you're one of us, you know, we get crushed too. So um, anyway, um, I went in there and there was a 1983, I think, Peugeot 505 STI. People say, Peugeot, yeah, well, it was when the car became better looking. Um, it had, this car was loaded. I mean, it had, the MSRP was still in the glove box, and I think the car was 36000 bucks new. And that was a lot of money. And so my dad and I looked at the car, and I really liked it. I said, man, I, you know, if we hit it with a really low number and we get it, and that was one of the things he and I started doing was buying oddballs. We'd buy a Renault Alliance with 2,000 miles on it, and it was 3000 bucks. How do you go wrong on anything that was 3,000 bucks that has 3,000 miles on it? You can't. There's no money to lose. But what we knew is a lot of dealers wouldn't bid on that car because it's an oddball. Well, the Peugeot was somewhat the same way. And so, you know, my dad and I talked about it and we bid $7,026, if I remember correctly. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we got the car. And we were way, way, way back a book. I think book on the car was 14,000 bucks was low book, wholesale book. And so we won it, and I remember when they called us and said it, and I talked to my dad, I go, oh, my God, we got that car for seven grand? And he said, yeah. I said, you think we made a mistake? He goes, how can you? And I said, yeah, I guess you're right. So two weeks later, they had another sale. And I go in there, and there's a Peugeot 505S sitting there, and it's got less miles on it, and it's a lighter-equipped car, but it's absolutely brand new out of the wrapper. I mean, it had three or 4,000 miles on it. And... There's a big, fat wholesaler standing there. I mean, he's a big guy. And he's got a hat on, you know, kind of old cowboy hat on. He's kind of rough looking. And he's got this blue book in his hand because we all carried the blue, Kelly blue book with us. Had this blue book in his hand that had a leather case over the outside of it. It had his name stamped in it. said Buck. So I'm like, oh, this guy's been in this business forever. You can tell it's dirty. You know, the book's frayed. I mean, this guy's working it. And he said, uh, and I said, we were going to stop cussing, but I'm going to repeat what he said because it's worth it. He said, uh, I'm standing there looking at it. He goes, them sure are a nice car. And I said, yeah, they really are. He goes, some dumb some bitch paid seven grand for the last one we went through here. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, holy crap. So I go talk to my dad. I said, yeah, and I told him what he said. And he goes, don't worry about it. We'll sell the car. Well, we sold the car. I sold the car for wholesale book. I made, well, not quite seven, about seven grand. But we didn't do a disservice to the person that bought it. We sold it for a low book, which was fair. But my point is, this guy who was an expert, who thought he knew what a car was worth, and he thought he knew what book was, and he thought he knew all this stuff that was absolute expert in the business, had no clue what he just lost. Because he didn't have, he didn't, they, they, everybody gets stuck in these modes. So going back to Blue Book, the other thing was, is it says on the bottom of every page of a Blue Book, deduct for reconditioning. So when a customer is looking at Blue Book, and it even states it online, if you go in there, you go in an ADA, they talk about condition of the vehicle. You can say fair, good, excellent, you know, whatever level it is you want it to be. But people, when it's their own car, they think, oh, this is excellent. No, it's fair. It's, a, it's, it's not looking very good. And so you have to be realistic about it. But the most important part is you have to take whatever that number is, and you have to deduct for reconditioning. I had a guy tell me once, well, the car has new tires. Well, it's supposed to have new tires. 
I mean, what are we missing here? I mean, you, so you're supposed to be able to give me a car with bald tires. I'm going to pay you all the money for it. It doesn't work that way. So Blue Book, once again, is just a guide. It's to kind of give us an estimate of where a car is. Lending has a lot to do with it because people borrow against it at an LTV. But other than that, you a value of a car is a value of a car. And we talked about this in the very first podcast. <clears throat> God bless me, you. That, no, it was a cough. But anyway, oh, you can bless people for coughing, was, too. Thank you. It was COVID. But in the very. <laughs> That's not even funny. That's not funny. Why Jeez. is it funny? You can't joke about COVID yet. We got to give it a little time. Two little years time. isn't enough. <laughs> it's, it's two weeks. That's all we got. We got to lock her down. Flatten the curve. So um, now I lost my train of thought. I don't do that very often. That was my intention. Thank you very much. Anyway, Blue Book is a guy. So that's what it needs to be taken yeah. as. It's not the Bible. Oh, I know what it was. I was going to say is that we talked about you could have two exact models of Honda sitting next to each other, and one looks better than the other. The blue book can't see that. And then when people come in and say, well, the blue book says it's this much money. I should get that for it. Well, then have blue book write you a check for it. They won't. I don't think they're going to do that. No, because the fenders caved in and the underside has rust and all that stuff. Nobody wants to take that into consideration when they're selling. So anyway, that's my blue book portion. I always, always veer away from people <laughs> that have caved in fenders when I'm driving. Did you know that they've hit somebody before you ever do that? You're driving. Oh, I thought I thought maybe you caved it in for them. No, so hell, I've therefore. never had a heck. I've never had an accident before. But when you're driving in traffic and you see someone with a damaged car, you avoid them, don't you? It's like parking beside someone who's got dented, who's got who's got a lot of door dings. Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm not going to park by them or drive well, by you them. Know, there is a, there is one thing I want to take note of. Have you ever taken seen? <clears throat> excuse me, the people that drive the worst. Bless you. God, I'm sorry. The people that drive the worst. Yeah. Um, there's a re- their car is beat up. It's filthy. They're weaving in and out of traffic. They're on their phone. They're doing all this thing. They're they're generally not of the uh, more affluent. I guess is the best way to put it. That's there's just way. no responsibility that goes with anything. So yeah. their rate of collisions is very very high, and that's why they have that dented fender. Yeah. Stay so away from them. I do. I'm I'm out. All right. What else? What we got? Well, the other thing that I wanted to bring up was um, when you're looking online at a car and the, the ratings are out there from several <clears> different <throat> folks. And I got to be honest, it's confusing. J.D. Power has their their quote unquote best car of the year. And then you got the folks from Consumer Reports that will have their best car. Of the I mean, literally, you could find eight to 15 different references as to. Look, we tested these cars. This is the best car. Greg, are these people just full of it? I, I, I don't. I, it's really hard to get good information about what exactly is considered the best car. So if you go back to, I don't know, what was it, 1983, 84, uh, or 85, I think it was, uh, Consumer Reports uh, picked the Pontiac Fiero as its favorite best car out there or whatever. It's a hot ride. Well, the one with the V6 wasn't bad. The GT was kind of cool. They were a nice car. But the one with the four-banger in it, yeah, they were terrible. And they weren't very reliable. They had all kinds of issues. So I'm going to try to answer the question two ways. One of the things that's benefited the public is things like YouTube. So um, there's, uh, I think a guy's name is Doug Mira. Um, he does um, these kind of walk-arounds and explanations of 
of, of cars. And I think he works for one of those companies, Consumer Reports or something. I don't remember which one it is. But he'll go through it and then he'll get in it and he'll actually drive it and he'll accelerate. And you can see him giggling when he's in some, you know, really high performance car that sucks him into the seat. But he gives a pretty honest analogy. And there's a lot of guys out there now that are doing that. That's a pretty good way to get information. And I, there's no money changing hands to them to say a car's good or bad. Um, you know, I've put my hands on the steering wheel of an awful lot of cars, and it takes a lot to get one to move me to where I go, man, that is really, really good. They don't come your way very often. I can tell you that there's a lot of really average out there. Um, and so for a consumer reports, for example, one of the, and I'm not picking on them specifically, but it's a pretty good example. They're always rating a Toyota or a Honda as being just this unbelievably exceptional thing. The, both of those cars, either one of them, if you gave me a Honda Accord or you gave me a Toyota Camry, I don't like driving them. And I don't like driving because they're like a stick of butter. You know, they're just, everything's soft and it doesn't excite me. I don't get anything from it. I like driving. I mean, to me, that's why I, one of the reasons I'm in the car business. I, I don't always think there's a correlation between whether you like, you know, I'm a car nut, so I'm going to be in the car business. But I, it certainly helps if you have an appreciation for them. You know, I can go back to when I was running the Alfa Romeo Maserati store down in Florida. And the first time I put my hands on an Alfa Romeo Giulia Quadrifoglio, I I thought I was wrong. It was, I thought it was the, one of the best, if not the best car I'd ever driven. But the car had just come out and nobody had reviewed it yet. And I'm thinking, am I out of my mind? You know, I'm a guy who loves a Porsche. I like the way they feel. This car just absolutely every sense, everything in me was just on fire, excited about driving the car because it was just fast and you could throw it around and just so much good about it. Well, then all the reviews started coming out and they affirmed for me that I wasn't wrong. But you, there's a level of, man, this isn't supposed to be. It's an Alfa Romeo. And and I've been fooled. So, but as far as reliability, now that's a different section. So, you know, what is it that somebody's looking for? And when Consumer Reports or Edmonds or whatever review a car, they're doing it strictly on things like reliability, not on does it make you happy when you're driving it. Does that help? I mean, that's fair. It's just there's just so much info out there. It's just really it's really hard. I mean, you get you can get bombarded with just so much info, and you don't really know which way to go. Actually, the best thing to do is go down and drive a car at a car dealership. That's the coolest thing about what we do. You can drive anything you want. So come down and enjoy them and figure out whether you actually like it. I will tell you this. Um, I'm going to brag on Mazda here, and I think I mentioned it. I, I think we were talking. I don't think it was on a podcast. But the Mazda CX-30 is that little crossover that we have. The CX-30 Turbo all-wheel drive to me is an unbelievably good car. I mean, it, I know they're super dependable. That's just a given. Um, and matter of fact, there were a lot of accolades that came their way last year um, on the redesign of the car. Um, and I don't, I haven't really dug into much of it lately of what's out there and, and running around. But I went and spent some time in one. And, um, you know, I haven't had a bunch of cars, but I promise you this, my next um, car that I take as a demo will be a 630. And I can drive a 69. I don't dislike the car. I really like it. It's nice. It's luxurious. But this car's fit and finish is great. Just the way it feels is super rich. And it's under 30 grand. So there's there's a lot of manufacturers out there doing some good things, but they're not all recognized right either because I'm not sure that some of these um, companies have an interest in digging deep in some of the other brands of cars other than Honda, Toyota. 
So yeah, you should go see Greg at Mazda of Columbia. I'll tell you a story. But before we get out of here, it's time for story time with Uncle Greg. Well, I'm not going to tell really one of my fables. I'm just going to talk about one of the things I thought was absolutely interesting uh, about another brand. And and I I brag on him. I think he is a very, very good car now. Um, They're not perfect. And I will tell you, they're not as good as a Mazda, period. They've had some motor problems and all that kind of stuff along the way. They've just done a pretty good job of standing behind them. But I remember when I first got in the car business, or not first got in the car business, first got in the Kia business, it was 96, I think, or 95 when they first came out. And they had the Kia Sophia. They had the Sophia yeah. and they had the Sportage. They had two cars. And the Sophia, we called it the Korean Saturn. And when we sold them, you know, we didn't discount them. This is what you pay because they're only forty nine ninety five. And I remember a woman came into the the uh, service drive, and she had had the car about two thousand miles, and her rear tires on her Sophia were cupped. And do uh, you know what that means? Yeah. And when there's uneven tire wear on them, and and so my service manager, you know, he checked tire inflation; it was fine, and he checked some other stuff, and he said, "All right." And Kia at that time, when they first came out, they said. We don't care what it is. If it's a tire, they get a flat tire, we'll fix it because they were going to try and, you know, brand their car as being one that was good, reliable, and excellent service. So that was their goal because we were the 11th Kia dealer in the nation at that time. And so she, we put new tires on it, and a couple thousand miles later, she comes back. And we, the third go around on it, now she's getting frustrated because she's got, and they, it sounds like a tractor when it's going down the road because the same problem every time. Well, yeah, and they weren't very well insulated, and nobody could figure out what the problem was. So I said, I said, why don't we put some weight in the back of the car and see what happens? And so we took a sack of concrete, and we wrapped it in a bag, in a plastic bag, and we put it in her trunk. And we said, drive it for a while and see what happens. And then if the tires don't cup, we know we've got that issue, and we'll figure it out. We never saw her again. Really? Yeah. So she left with her bag of cement and uh, all was good in the world. But they were, they also had some other issues about, I don't know, it was 2009 or 2010 when they were teetering on death before Hyundai bought them. Um, we had a technician that was working on one and it said in the manual, because it was it had a fuel sensor related problem. And it said track red wire from whatever in the front to the with purple stripe all the way back to the fuel uh, tank to the sending unit. He said, and this came from the factory. It was a brand new car. This thing wire changed color five times. They were running. They were, the wires were changing color. They were running out of wire. And so they were hooking them together. That's why they were so bad back in that era. Because I mean, they were just about out of business. So, all right, that's my stories for today, Sonny. Story time with Uncle Greg, Greg Hood of Mazda of Columbia. What's good under the hood? Rob Sanders from AM 1400, Fox Sports Radio, and from 97.5 WCOS. My name is Andy. Thanks for watching and listening the, the podcast today. What's good under the hood? Thanks, gentlemen. Thanks.